0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the State of Dallas podcast, part of the Republic of Football podcast at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody with you again. And once again, we are going to lead off this podcast with some ACC discussion because, look, if you're listening to this, in all likelihood, you're an SMU fan. So let's lay out where things stand as SMU is waiting for this ACC expansion decision to come down, but also awaiting their season opener on Saturday against Louisiana Tech at 11 a.m. Central on ESPNU. We'll have your full coverage at On3s on theponyexpress.com of that one. So we'll jump into the preview in a little bit. But first, let's give you guys the latest on where things stand with the ACC. And on Thursday, shortly before we recorded this podcast, are so getting it out a little bit later than we normally do on Thursdays. But because of that, we do get the latest on the ACC in this podcast, and that's this. The ACC presidents, after postponing their meeting from Monday due to the tragedy at North Carolina with that shooting, then the ACC headquarters was open on Tuesday. The College football playoff committee met on Wednesday, Hurricane Idalia. Hit the Florida coast, which involves Florida State, Miami. It's gone up to the Carolinas a little bit now as well. Now we have a rescheduled call for Friday for the ACC presidents. Don't know a time just yet, but they are expected to meet and they will address a major issue, which is expansion. And if a vote does come, which most people are anticipating a vote is coming. That could mean expansion is green-lighted for the three schools that are awaiting the decision, namely SMU in this case, as well as Cal and Stanford. And that would mean if all three schools were approved, that would put them in the ACC for the 2024 season with Cal and Stanford, leaving the Pac-12 as their media rights deal expires and SMU getting going on negotiating that AAC exit fee with Commissioner Mike Oresko, who said, look, President R.J.L. Turner of SMU has been a key component to working with the college football playoff to expand the 12 teams. So that's been helpful to the AAC. And in speaking with reporters on Wednesday at the college football playoff committee meeting, Oresko said that, you know, he is able to uh, talk with President Turner And really respect what he's done for the league. Doesn't hold anything against them if they do get the call up. But the whole power five uh, moniker that is out there, at least for now, uh, could end up being a power four when this is all said and done. Um, It's about being in that club. And that's why SMU is approaching the ACC with that opportunity to forego seven years of revenue to join the league. They would give that up. Boosters would cover that lost money for the program, and then they would get some of the money that college football playoff, NCAA tournament, and some other revenue streams would then give to SMU down the line from the ACC. And for SMU, this is all about getting in that power four club that has now emerged as conference realignment has really shaken up college football and college athletics to shape it in a way that, Sure, doesn't look like the way I grew up watching it uh, with the lack of regional rivalries across these conferences. Now you have conferences that stretch coast to coast. The ACC could be the next to join them if they do approve expansion. And most people that I talk with and most national reporters that are watching this uh, will tell you that if a vote does occur, it's going to be to green light expansion. They already took their straw poll uh, that. Didn't get them to expansion a couple weeks ago, but then over that time, we've seen that momentum stay there. We know this week was riddled with roadblocks from tragedy, um, weather, all of those things. But what hadn't really shaken is that momentum to expand for the ACC. Another key piece for the league here it's been reported that if the league stays above 15 members, then ESPN can't renegotiate their TV contract. So if they do expand, that means that if a Florida State and Clemson both left, that would keep them above the st- the threshold when it comes to not renegotiating that deal with ESPN. So that's an important piece to keep an eye on. So Friday is going to be here. Some of you will be listening to this as maybe the vote is going on. Some of it will be... Um, happening, uh, you know, will, will happen Friday, you know, as you're listening to this Thursday, whenever you're listening, this is one of those key moments in SMU's history, without a doubt, they're trying to get into that power four club now and get that access to large amounts of money in the future once they're done foregoing that revenue, and also get better access to the college football playoff because of that. Uh, give a boost to their recruiting, both from the high school ranks and the transfer portal. And it makes a lot of sense for SMU to do this. I think for SMU, they've played this the right way. They've got to uh, get to this club. And for the administration, they've been working this for a long, long time, trying to get that over the hill. And now it's at the point where that this call being rescheduled is another sign that, at least on the surface, this is progressing to that next step. Because behind closed doors this week, other league leaders have been talking about, well, what can they do from an unequal revenue sharing perspective? Those talks are the key to this happening. If the ACC can agree on an unequal revenue sharing model, That involves performance bonuses, then that's going to lead to expansion. You're looking to satisfy the monetary needs of schools like Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, and others where it makes sense for all sides to approve expansion, bring in this amount of money that they're going to year in, year out, and then split it and figure out the best way to reward performance on the field that would keep programs, like I mentioned. Happy. And that is the key because look, the ACC does have a grant of rights that's in place until 2036. That's a long, long time. But that's also a long time when it comes to the money that the ACC is currently locked in at year in, year out in terms of individual school revenue being brought in from the league. And schools are already unhappy with that money as they've seen the Big Ten, the SEC, really raise their level of income per school uh, with their additions and their new television contracts. So this is all in an attempt to keep the ACC fighting at that level with some of the schools around the country that have big budgets, that have these massive TV contracts pouring money into their um, programs. And that's what this is all rooted in. That's why this is getting closer and closer, it looks like, to happening. It's conference realignment. We know that the unexpected can happen, but over the last two weeks, there's been momentum for this to get passed and scheduling a call on Friday with the assumption that a vote is going to occur at this point, that is all good signs for Cal, SMU, and Stanford. So look, we look back on the Pac-12 and how it fell apart. We know how things can change in the matter of hours, but right now, I don't see a change happening because the league is not in a position for these schools to up and bolt, like in Oregon and Washington, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah did. Uh, Colorado obviously did a little bit earlier in the process with the Pac-12. They're not as much in that position to do, to do that. So to schedule a call, at least right now, seems like they're not going to blow up these talks. They're, there's that assumption that a vote is coming, and that would mean that there's enough, to get this across the finish line for expansion to happen. So we'll be watching this one closely. I know SMU is ready for resolution on this. The ACC and Commissioner Jim Phillips is ready for resolution as well. I'll leave you with this. This is Jim Phillips talking um, at the ACC headquarter opening um, the, their new headquarters on uh, Tuesday Uh, He did say that they are looking to not only expand the brand of the ACC regionally, but also across the country. And that is something that, I mean, you can really try to um, piece together maybe other ways that they could do that. Um, But right now, you've got to look at this as a good sign um, for the three schools that are awaiting decisions from this um, conference. So here's a direct quote. He said, we really tried to look at how we modernize the ACC, how we get our forward-facing ACC brand in a different light across not only in the region, Atlantic Coast Conference, but across the country. If that doesn't say expansion westward, I don't know what does. Um, This is a a really, really big moment for SMU. We'll all be watching it unfold on Friday with a close eye, so stay tuned to ontheponyexpress.com. Just a dollar for a month to join uh, the site over there um, that I run, uh, covering SMU uh, football, basketball, recruiting, and more. When it comes to SMU Louisiana Tech, 11 a.m. Central on ESPNU inside Ford Stadium in Dallas, let me just say this first, before we get to the true game preview, if this vote happens and this is pushed across the finish line and the news comes down that SMU has indeed secured a Power 5 invite, the Hilltop is absolutely going to be buzzing on Saturday morning for this uh, morning kickoff that they've got ahead of them. Uh, I was talking with some t- uh, ticket reps at the school And one, uh, basketball season ticket uh, requests and, um, you know, uh, holders are uh, calling off the hook to secure uh, tickets for the basketball program uh, as, you know, people are readying for that ACC vote to happen and potential expansion, which would bring the likes of Duke, North Carolina, Virginia to Moody Coliseum. But also it's been helping football season tickets as well. They've seen an uptick since that. Um, But if you're going to the game on Saturday – just be on the lookout for a lot of new additions around Ford Stadium, uh, the Weber End Zone Complex, which is a roughly $120, 130000000 million end zone facility that will house uh, new football locker rooms, weight room, uh, nutrition center, meeting rooms, coaching uh, offices, and all sorts of uh, premium seating is uh, at a point now where it's very noticeable. Uh, it is structurally there. It gives an entirely new feel to Ford Stadium. If you've been there before, they've obviously got to put up the walls on the inside, wires, air conditioning, all of those things. Um, but it is a very um, big sign, uh, both physically and um, you know, away from the field too, that SMU is is you know ponying up to make this a Power Five, uh, this reality, um, to make the Power Five uh, or Power Four. A reality for this program, so um, that is one key piece. Another thing, there's free water coolers around uh, the concourse that is that have been installed, um, as well as refilling stations uh, for water bottles, against plastic water bottles if you bring them in. But there's free water that's going to be everywhere. It's going to be hot, um, so that's a big change that they've implemented. They've done new con- uh, food con- uh, concession stands throughout. Uh, the stadium as well and upgraded that technology. So it's been a busy off season around the stadium um, and it'll be a busy boulevard on Saturday as well as a lot of people have excitement around this team. When you look at the expectations for this program, they're very high entering 2023. And after getting a chance to watch Louisiana tech open the season against FIU, there's a feeling that as you watch this team go through practice, go through um, their drills day in day out. They have the talent and tools to be a successful football team. One of the wild card situations for Game One, though, is that Louisiana Tech did play a football game last week. They beat FIU at home in Ruston, 22 to 17. Uh, they needed just about every second of game game clock to get it done. They fell behind 14 nothing. Then they were able to mount a comeback and score with 61 seconds left to secure the win. And it was an ugly game, uh, kind of on both sides. I will say this, Hank Bachmeyer, the transfer from Boise State at quarterback, stepped in and was able to direct the offense very well in the passing game. They were without their top two rushers. And and a big reason why was Smoke Harris, who had over 100 yards receiving on 11 catches, um, just made some explosive plays, including a 60-plus yard touchdown, Uh, reception. He's one of the best receivers in Conference USA, and so he will be somebody to really keep an eye on uh, for SMU's defense, which is coming into the game with a completely new new look. Uh, They have a lot of transfers um, on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense, they've revamped that group. And for SMU, they have to be ready to play. Louisiana Tech has had a chance to knock off the rust. They've had a chance to take a look at their own game film against FIU and maybe make some changes, maybe make some tweaks. But this is an SMU team that hasn't seen the field yet in 2023. They're all going to come together. So it's important that they come out focused, play a clean game, because Louisiana Tech, they're going to be motivated. They lost SMU a couple years ago on a Hail Mary in Ruston. There's still some of the players that are there from that game. But SMU is – coming into this game as roughly 20-point favorites, depending on where where you look. Um, And I think SMU can take this one. About 45-20 is kind of what I'm anticipating Um, for SMU. I think they're going to be very good once again on offense. I think the biggest difference between last year and this year is going to be the explosiveness of running back Jalen Knighton, who's going to get the start. He'll also have LJ Johnson and Tyler Levine back there with him. Velton uh, Gardner is a, a reserve running back, the fourth running back in this one, because also Kamar Wheaton, uh, the former highly touted prospect uh, and Alabama transfer is suspended for the first week um, due to missing class back in July. So he'll be out for this game. So SMU will have its full complement of their highly touted transfers at running back, as well as their returning guys and Tyler Levine and Velton Gardner. But they're going to be without Kamar Wheaton. So it's a one week suspension. He'll be back. Um, when SMU goes to Norman, but for Rhett Lashley and his staff, getting Preston Stone ready is one of the biggest things that, uh, has been on their mind for quite some time now. And Preston Stone enters his first year as a true starter. He's been around the block now with this program going into his third season. He sat behind Tanner Mordecai. He sat uh, there and waited his turn. He got a start last year at Tulsa, which was a hard place for SMU to win. So he's experienced some things as an SMU quarterback already that makes there be that optimism around him turning out to be the guy that they've expected him to be uh, when it comes to the future of the quarterback position. Uh, he was a highly touted guy coming out of Dallas, Dallas Parish Episcopal, a four-star prospect, an SMU legacy, and now he'll be getting his first career start as the starter starter Last year was his first start against, against Tulsa. But I think for Preston Stone, he needs to continue to manage his emotions well. He's a player that is enthusiastic. He's a vocal leader for this team. And as a start, starting quarterback, you've got to be able to, to direct that, as Rhett Lashley said this week, into passion instead of emotion. And I think that's uh, something that kind of hits home with me as I watch this game unfold is how will SMU harness that excitement of playing in their first game in 2023, but also not feel like they are uh, trying too hard. They're not sticking to their game plan. They're trying to do too much. That's something that can really affect you early on. I think it affected them last year when they played TCU and TCU jumped out to a big lead, but this is a team now that has a lot of returning faces, but a lot of new ones as well. But you look up and down this roster There's guys who are motivated to make impacts. There's guys like Jordan Curley and Jake Bailey at wide receiver who have been injured here and there over the last couple of years and now are fully healthy and ready to be those go-to receivers for Preston Stone. He'll have a bunch of other options that are going to be working on securing their spot in the pecking order, but that'll all play out over the course of the coming weeks, including week one, um, as those guys vie for more and more snaps as they figure out what the right concoction is on offense when it comes to SMU's uh, impressive receiver core uh at the offensive line position uh, they're healthy they're ready to go they'll start Marcus Bryan at left tackle Logan Part at left guard Branson Hickman at center Justin Osborne at right guard and Hiron White at right tackle tight end RJ Maryland enters his second year of the program uh, he's a guy that packed on weight this offseason and is ready to um stake his claim to being one of the best tight ends in SMU history. Uh, he he was off to a good start as a true freshman uh, with the season he put together. Now uh, the son of uh, former Dallas Cowboy Russell Maryland is ready for that uh, second year with the Mustangs. So a lot of options on offense for Preston Stone to work with, but the storyline of this one is going to be defense. And it's going to start with the defensive line for me because You look at what they've assembled with nose tackle Jordan Miller, who, if you're watching on the Dave Campbell's YouTube channel, that was the first guy in the rep there. Um, They've got Elijah Chapman, who's next up in this rep, one of the strongest guys in college football. Devere Levelston is packed on 15 pounds this offseason, as he looks to be a true defensive tackle for the Mustangs. And then they got Elijah Roberts, who is kind of maybe the unheralded transfer out of that Miami bunch, but is now really poised to be a difference maker and a starter for SMU as he's settled into his role. That front three, that whatever combination is out there, they've got added size. They also have some key edge rushers that are back in Nelson Paul, Jalen Samuels, Isaiah Smith, as well as North Texas transfer and Plano native Cam Robertson. All those guys are going to see plenty of time as they look to control the line of scrimmage. And it's probably – The biggest defensive line I've seen in a minute covering SMU, which should allow a new look linebacker core, which has one returning player in Jaquandus Burns, to be able to fly around and maybe make some plays. That's going to be what I'm watching. Probably the the closest out of this game is how does this linebacker unit settle in? Because they do have so many options at that position. They could rotate a lot. They could see kind of what guys are making the biggest impact. And as they do that, they'll be able to find maybe that secret sauce. Maybe not this week. Maybe it'll take a couple weeks um, or or the duration of non-conference play, but they do have options. They've got Ahmad Walker, who's going to start at Will Linebacker. And then from there, it's any combination of Jaquandus Burns, Chris Adamora, Kobe Wilson, Alex Kilgore that could get some time there for the Mustangs. If that linebacker core, which defensive coordinator Scott Simon said this week, is going to be faster than last year's group, that is going to be something to watch. If they can fly around, if they can make plays, SMU is going to have a chance to really elevate their defense because this front seven last year didn't tackle well. They didn't stop the run well, but the secondary was able to kind of take some steps. It was, it was very small as incremental. They did improve a little bit, but they were so hit or miss. Now you look at the secondary with Charles Woods and Chris Megenson, Starting at corner, Jalen Davis Robinson, AJ Davis, and Jahari Rogers as your backups uh, to the cornerback spot, as well as a deep safety room with Jonathan McGill, um, Ahmad Moses, uh, Brandon Crosley, Brian Massey, uh, Isaiah Wacobia, uh, CJ Sanders, and Kyron Chambers. Those that group is just completely different than last year from a depth and talent perspective. So. As SMU rotates, and that was something they weren't able to do as much last year, I'm watching to see if there's any drop-off. I'm watching to see how these battles that maybe are ongoing for some playing time play out. But that is probably one of the reasons why I'm optimistic about SMU's chances to come out of the gate strong. This is a defense that you're going to have to fight for your reps because they have revamped it completely. There's a lot of guys who are going to continue to battle for those snaps throughout the season. And if you're going to do that and you're going to put your best foot forward, you better be ready to play come 11 a.m. Uh, in that um, you know heat. It won't be as hot as uh, maybe a five o'clock kickoff would be, uh, but it is going to be hot nonetheless. They've got to be able to execute. Again, some new faces, a new linebackers coach, and Maurice Crum. They're going to have to be able to communicate very well because if they don't, Smoke Harris, Cyrus Allen, those Louisiana Tech receivers do have the ability to make you pay, and Hank Bachmeyer has seen it all. He's gone to Florida State and gotten a win on the road. He has uh, been very productive back when he was at Boise State, but this is a Louisiana Tech team that is going to potentially be without their top two rushers. They also lost Travis Thornton to injury last week, so maybe it's a one-dimensional team once again. Uh, They did end up throwing the football 44 times against FIU. Um one thing I'll say on on this is FIU is, a, is probably going to be one of the dweller seller dwellers of college football this season. So it's a hard uh, task to evaluate just how good of a win that was even if it was ugly. But on the flip side of that, so, uh uh, Cecil Singleton, Miles Hurd—they lead one of the top group of five secondaries, in my opinion. Um, this this week, going into this game, they have the ability uh, to really make it hard on passing games, and they held FIU to just four yards passing. Now they still racked up about 170 yards rushing, um, but the Bulldogs did settle into that game eventually, um, and they uh, ended up coming away with the win. But if you look at this it's kind of the quintessential game one in in a sense for a team that's coming off a back-to-back three and nine seasons. Sonny Cumbie and his staff, I'm pretty high on them long-term and what they're going to be able to do uh, with this Louisiana tech program, but have they gotten enough talent to really kick the door down and be competitive with SMU that has done it from a talent acquisition level at a much higher rate and has some key returners, coming back into the fold this year, including three starting offensive linemen, um, as well as some talent all over the place at skill positions. And they've really upgraded their size and athleticism on defense. Also a quick note, SMU does return Colin Rogers, a kicker who's gonna add place uh who's gonna add kickoff duties this fall, as well as Ryan Buchevsky, who's on the Ray Guy Award watch list. So they have their special teams um specialists back uh, going into this year. I, I think the biggest thing the key to the game for me is Preston Stone playing clean and at times last year Tanner Mordecai did not and he had ill-advised throws he had poor timing on turnovers he was really productive him and Rasheed Rice were terrific together but that was the biggest issue with him is when SMU needed him to take care of the football he sometimes let them down and so Going against a secondary like this with guys that have size, that can run, Uh, Miles Hurd led the team with nine tackles. Uh, Cecil Singleton had the game-sealing interception against FIU. He's going to have to play smart um, and really be able to take what the defense gives him. He's a really good distributor from what we've seen in practice. One other caveat is he's going to finally be able to run around a little bit. That's a part of his game extending plays, picking up yards when something isn't there. I think his comfort in doing that in game one can help. If something's not there, feel free to tuck it and run, take the safe play, throw the ball away, do all those things that keep the offense not in poor situations. I think last year, sometimes SMU's offense hit some ruts and it was because they tried to do too much or they got too cute. This offense against Louisiana Tech should be able to play relatively sound and because of that, make some plays and some explosive ones at that and be able to take care of business. And that's why I think it's going to be about 45 to 20. I think the defense, I would like to see them settle in. And and quite honestly, I think you know if SMU is up 45, 13 at some point in the fourth quarter, you're going to see some backups in. I could see a late touchdown given up there. Um, which would always drive uh, Scott Simons nuts or any defensive coordinator nuts. But um, when it comes to uh, this secondary that SMU has, they have revamped it, and they have really done a nice job with adding true speed. Jalen Davis Robinson's one of the fastest guys on the team. Charles Woods has shown that ability to be a lockdown corner. Chris Megenson has some nice size. I think for SMU, um, the key will be on defense communication. That was something that really hurt the Mustangs last year. Uh, The safety position is now coached by Scott Simons, the defensive coordinator, who really took that position in part to improve the communication, improve the um, flow from the safeties down to the linebackers, down to the defensive line, because that's how SMU's defense communicates. And if all of those pieces that they've been putting together, and one thing that Scott Simons said the other day is they rolled one of their base plays for you know, half of practice, it seemed like, and just had guys working on those fundamentals. And I like that. I like the way they've been talking about kind of simplifying from a, uh, from a scheme and a fundamental perspective. They went back to the basics on tackling, which was a huge issue last week or last year for SMU. They weren't able to get guys on the ground when they had opportunities this year. Not only do they have depth where guys should be running to the ball more consistently, but they also have more talent and they have broken it all down to the basics of where's your head go wrap up here, use your leverage there. Those are all key pieces to being successful tacklers. And that's something that in the past, Scott Simons has been able to get out of his defenses last year, as they rolled into Dallas as a first year staff, it didn't go that way. And he said, look, we should have done it differently. We should have just coached the basics. And I could have called just, you know, X number of, defensive plays all year until we got it down but they didn't they learned from that and they went back to the basics in the spring and the summer and into fall camp so I think tackling is one of the biggest keys for SMU this season and if they can do that then they can really get into the uh, opportunity to really force opposing offenses into third and long situations into second and long situations where maybe offenses will have to take more risks and then this improved secondary might be able to make more plays on the ball and force some turnovers. That's been a key piece uh, for them as well. They want to force turnovers. That's a key to having a big jump defensively and getting into that top 40 range, which is kind of where SMU wants to make a jump to. Obviously they want to make a jump to the number one team in the country defensively, but that just probably isn't going to happen. They want to be, into that top 40. It's something that hasn't happened at SMU since the 1980s. That's how long it's been. And SMU in the past has had some players on defense, Marcus Hunt, Sterling Moore, uh, Chris Banjo, guys like that, um, that have you know been able to piece together pro careers among others. And they hadn't gotten to that point. This year, SMU really has set its sights high defensively because of the new talent they brought in. So um, I think SMU has the opportunity to really start out strong this season and make a statement going into week two against Oklahoma. And if they can do that, you're going to be feeling a little bit more confident about the chances SMU has to make that happen. And um, if they don't, they're going to have a lot of things to go over. Rhett Lashley has been clear about it. And also why they're taking Louisiana Tech seriously is because you make the biggest jump from your first game to your second game. Louisiana Tech could do that. They've got a veteran quarterback who's not going to be scared about coming into Ford Stadium. They've got a game-changing receiver in Smoke Harris. If they don't keep an eye on him and get him on the ground, that's going to be an issue. And that is one of those ways where you can allow a team to hang around. SMU's inability at times last year to stop explosive plays really hurt them. Go back to the TCU game. I think two 70-plus yard touchdowns for the Horn Frogs was the difference in the game. Uh, Tulane was able to, to do that as well. Um, you know UCF had some opportunities. so it's it's a complete change from the personnel, but they're trying to finish off that change in culture defensively. And just talking with people around this Louisiana Tech program, I think the big thing was Louisiana Tech had lost 19 straight games when trailing at the half. Um, they turned around and they beat them. Now, it was Florida International. There's that caveat there again. But the Sonny Cumbie team does have a little bit of battle to them, and maybe we'll bring that into Ford Stadium on Saturday. And I think you can't be looking ahead. You can't be overlooking them because of how they played against FIU. You can't be looking ahead to, to Oklahoma in week two. That's going to be very important for SMU. I think the biggest thing in this game overall is coming out mentally prepared to play at a high level and execute a clean football game. If they can do that, the Mustangs are going to come away with a win. So a couple other notes for you guys um, on the injury front. SMU probably without offensive lineman Cam Irvin, who got nicked up in fall camp. I think a sprained ankle. Um. So he's been in a boot. He's out of that kind of working his way back. Uh, Rhett Lashley said he'll be a game time decision. Edge rusher and another uh, former parish Episcopal standout. Jaden Jones has a club on his hand right now, but is fully cleared to play. So he'll be maybe questionable to get some snaps. Um, and then defensive lineman, Stefan Wright also questionable for this one uh, as he's been uh, not in pads during practice. He's been working out with trainers. So for me, I'm going to finish off each week with a player of the game prediction. This week, I'm going to go with running back Jalen Knighton. I think with Jalen Knighton's explosiveness, his ability to catch the ball, this is a game that you could really build his confidence up. And both him and LJ Johnson, their first game in this SMU offense. Now, granted, Jalen Knighton comes in from Miami. He's going to be familiar with what Rhett Lashley uh, plans to do overall from an offensive scheme perspective. LJ Johnson, he's been getting more and more reps. He's been getting more experience in this offense as fall camp has come along. I think both have the opportunity to have really strong seasons. I think Jalen Knighton is going to be a guy that's going to be an all AAC type of player for the Mustangs this year. I think his coming out party is going to start with Louisiana Tech. Um, They do have a really solid uh, linebacker in Brevin Randall. Uh, Deshaun Hall is another guy uh, up front who's a good football player. But I think Jalen Knighton is just so explosive. Um, I really do. And watching him, what he can do um, with the ball in his hands has been a lot of fun in fall camp. They've been kind of careful with him. Uh, he was a, even a little banged up early in fall camp. Um, but I think Rhett Lashley really wants to lean more on the run game this year. That's why they brought in Stone Eby, a former defensive lineman, turned offensive lineman, turned H-back, and Elijah Chapman. Uh, their defensive lineman who's on Bruce Feldman's freak freaks list uh, to play a little bit more H back. They also have Nolan Matthews Harris uh, who's a veteran who is a big body who could help out in the run blocking uh, side of things. Maybe SMU even makes a statement, brings in a six offensive lineman. I don't know. But one thing I know about Rhett Lashley this year is they want more consistency from the run game. Last year they opened the season against uh, North Texas Tanner Mordecai threw for over 400 yards, but SMU didn't have a rusher above 54 yards. They had Trey Siggers with 54, TJ McDaniel with 41, Kamar Wheaton with 41. This year, I expect it to be different. I think this is a game where Rhett Lashley wants to have that big offensive line with their two bookend tackles that are both 6'7", six, 6'8", six, on a certain day of the week and run the football and really emphasize that and show what type of team they're going to be running the football this year. Last year, that was something that came on later in the year with Tyler Levine, who he did it on a partially torn patella tendon, which is still insane. But this year, they have a full stable of running backs that you feel good about as long as they can stay healthy, which running backs get nicked up over the course of a season. I think Rhett Lashley really wants to emphasize the run game, make the defense respect it, hit big plays, clean up offensively in that way, and go from there and win, obviously, big in the season opener. That's the type of expectations this team has. I have high expectations for Jalen Knighton. I think he could go over a hundred all purpose yards this game and make a nice statement in his SMU debut. Um, he made no bones about it when talking to him with us uh, in the media earlier, I guess maybe when school started, but at the tail end of fall camp, uh, he said, you know, he's, he's a smaller guy, but he wants defenses to know he's coming. And uh, that's something that, uh, the mindset is really kind of starting to shift offensively when they run the football a little bit um, with a guy like that, a bruiser like LJ Johnson, Tyler Levine's kind of an old school running back with the neck roll, fullback kind of guy. That's the type of mindset they want to have this season. SMU has high expectations and I expect them to uh, take care of business against Louisiana tech. I've got them winning 45 to 20. So catch that one on ESPN U at 11 a.m. Central on Saturday, SMU's 2023 season is finally here. Will it bring a new conference as well? We'll be watching on Friday. But thanks for listening to this edition of the State of Dallas podcast. Appreciate you guys. Hit that subscribe button for me on the Dave Campbell's YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple, wherever you catch your podcasts. And also check out more coverage of the SMU Mustangs at ontheponyexpress.com. Again, just a dollar to join for your first month or we've got a deal going through Sunday where you can get 50% off an annual subscription. So thanks for listening to another edition of the podcast. I appreciate all you guys who've been tuning in. It's been fun to kind of grow this thing with Dave Campbell's. Until next week, I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the State of Dallas podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy week one of college football.